1: Hello and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by Tim, a.k.a. Cranches McBasketball. And Tim, uh, before we start here, I wanted to give another shout out to all of our listeners, fans all across the world for giving us our best month in downloads last month. We started almost a year ago. Exactly. I think it was like the third or fourth week in September covering the Denver series. Um, man, it's been a great ride coming back, uh, this year to do this pod with you, Tim, just wanted to say thank you to the fans and see if you had anything to say to them for this, uh, like one-ish year anniversary.
2: Yeah. I really appreciate all of you, the, the community, not just like we see the numbers of people like are listening to us, but engaging with us on Twitter, shooting me emails or like joining the discord and like having that just ongoing conversation has really, helps create a community that I know for me has been really helpful this past year with covid and everything and not being able to get that kind of interaction you'd normally get with everyone just in our regular everyday lives this was a cool outlet to in some ways supplement that like thirst for human interaction in ways and and talking lakers so i loved it really appreciate each and all of you each and every one of you and uh you know I don't know if you heard Tom, but this is the the sexiest Lakers podcast out there. The Shout Lakers out to David Sex Chia. The, yeah, so our Twitter handle is Lakers X Pod. So because because you can't fit Lakers Exceptionalism podcast in a, in a handle, which uh, if you change where you're capitalizing letters is Lakers Sex Pod.
1: Yes, that was our secret <laughs> name. That was my long so, con my when I made the handle. I was like, no one will ever notice, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but they did. And of course, it's David Chia. Shouts to our guy.
2: Yeah. Uh, Sex sells, Tom.
1: That's right. Sex land (laughs) in, in Cleveland. Just fit it in wherever it doesn't belong at all. But
2: if we do bet, trade for for Colin Sexton somehow, like we've got some of that early <laughs> uh, real right. estate. So That's right,
1: absolutely. Um, well, you know, I'm sure the Lakers fans are feeling quite sexy these days, feeling good mm. about the team. Really quick before we get into today's topic, Tim, I wanted to touch a little bit on what happened with Marc Gasol. You know, we took last week off. Thank you for holding it down with your awesome offensive mailbag pods. Uh, we'll try to keep doing those. You know, throughout the season. Uh, once we start to ramp up here and do more often more frequent shows but mark gasol got traded to the memphis grizzlies of all places and for cash and a second round pick i think in 24 uh that i think they either you know was their own or they got in the washington deal either way that extra washington second that came through once the details settled you know that got rid of mark gasol and it was a sad day for me um obviously big fans of the gasol brothers in general as a as a lakers homer for years i always loved mark gasol's game you know i was excited to have him we always talk about how he wasn't perfect last year you know especially a post-covid stretch he was a little bit rough but we he provided good things for the lakers and it seems like getting demoted for Andre Drummond was something he couldn't get past and I wouldn't say get over it's just something he didn't feel like dealing with again uh in any kind of scenario Mm -hmm. if another center became available and he could just lose his job i guess he's thinking why did i take a year off from my family if you're just gonna go with this other guy you told me you needed me and i don't blame him um it seems as if he will retire and sign with the team that he is part owner of which is pretty cool Definitely don't hold that against anybody for leaving for that kind of situation, especially with family involved. But I'm just a little bummed, man. Uh, I think it was pretty clear once Jordan was signed that Mark was not long for this team. But kind of a bummer how all things played out. You know, all things considered, it's a bit a been a bit of a year of um, you know, like not great closure with the Caruso thing. Even with Truder, right? We weren't happy I think that he left. It was. Like still bittersweet, not necessarily because of him. It's just some of these processes and the results, I guess, have uh, just kind of left us, you know, a little bit bummed. I don't know about you though.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The Lakers over time have their own strategy and their own approach and in a lot of ways, they embody that mom and pop shop. And we've talked about some of the pros, some of the cons. Some of those cons are maybe they're not going to win every margin and, and look at every transaction as a way to take a small step forward, the the asset management. Um, but from a people side of things, I understand what they handled, what they did with Caruso. They let him pick his destination. With Mark, you know, we, we were obviously hopeful about what he could provide coming into the season. It, it feels like yesterday. Honestly, it was like this year's gone by so fast because less than – 365 days ago the lakers won a title so yeah just the the compressed season is just so weird because it felt like yesterday when we were doing that twitch live stream going over mark's game and breaking down here's how he can help the team here's how the mm-hmm. passing can help here's where the spacing can be impactful and we saw some of it and if i had to break down what he was supposed to provide to the team and i went through i wrote up a, a a post I put on Reddit just to get it out to another audience. Um, one that's usually somewhat hostile with me, but they appeared to like it. And like the spacing Mark was supposed to get, bring and what he did like last season, he kind of did this season. He did it. Um, he's No center is out there other than like Cat just jacking up threes. You're not going to have like an eight attempt a, ga- eight attempt a game center. Um, but when it comes to like spacing centers, he was uh, uh, towards the top of the league, um, especially for what we paid for him. When it came to his playmaking... And, and this is really where like, I am going to miss him the most. is There were those games, Tom, where throughout the season things got mucked up and it wasn't really working. And then Mark would come in and it was almost like the Spurs' beautiful basketball days mm. or the watching the Warriors. And it's not the same style of offense, but just the, the ball movement, the cutting, just how he could just really easily, without him needing to move, get other guys involved. And the Lakers just ran a style of offense that, to me, was a lot of fun to watch and worked out really well. Um, and we see this we saw in the film, we see it in the data the the differential between the playmaking talent of Mark and the actual production of what he was able to provide going down player by player for the roster it lined up really, really well. The only guy there was a huge gap for was mark it, it was he could have done it, and when you asked him to do it, he did it well, but the team didn 't lean into that, mm-hmm. so that 's something you know during the season I missed this upcoming season, we needed a little bit less because Russ is coming in, but that was an element that that I was really, you know, I, I disappointed about. This isn't the end of the world. We're gonna miss him. He, yeah. he was good at what he was good at. I do think we're getting out at the right time when it comes to his defense, because if the Lakers are going to that drop coverage or if they're switching more, he's not really the guy for those. Yeah. He he was a, a defender who was getting weaker. We saw his on-ball defense was poor last year. Um, him like defending off-screen situations where he couldn't like set up ahead of time like a ball screen. He he wasn't all that good at. In ball screens, using those catch hedges, using those soft hedges, allowed the Lakers to mask his weaknesses as a rim protector. But unless they're running multiple different schemes defensively next year, he just won't be a fit with what they're trying to do or what I'm anticipating they'll try to do. So I I feel like we're getting out at the right time, even though I do also feel that what he provided defensively was a little bit underappreciated this past year. So yeah. I don't know. It's It was a very nuanced right up. And I think my, my thoughts on Mark are complicated, but big picture, the Lakers can be fine. And this isn't at the, the end of the world. I don't necessarily see it as a great move, but I get it on his, on his side of things, you know, it, it, for months, every piece of news coming out about Mark was, or not every piece, but every piece around the situation was like, the Lakers need to go find another center or the Lakers think they need to go find another center. The Lakers are looking for another center. And it was, Reading through the lines, reading between the lines, it was always like, they don't trust Mark. From the second he got COVID to when he was coming back from COVID, the first couple weeks were rough. Um, And he bounced back, I think, on court. We see that in the numbers. But from that point on, it didn't seem like the team really trusted him. And I can understand why he just doesn't want to have to deal with a role that might be up and down and really go through that grind of that 82-game season, even if he's not playing many minutes or or heavy minutes or consistent minutes. Um, So more power to him to go mm-hmm. retire uh spend time with his family. I think he owns this this could be not true. I, I believe he owns a second league Spanish team. Yeah, Girona. And okay. That's who he and, played,
1: that's who he signed with.
2: Okay. So I would love to see like is he going to play for them? Like it'd be so cool to see him go over there and just cuz he's he's like still for all the shit that people give him. Like he's still going to kick ass over there. Oh yeah. Like he's going to go over there. I would love to see I think I think how I see this playing out really well with him is Spend time in your country with your family, with your team that you own. Um like imagine like an NBA yeah. owner, like owning a team and then playing for the team. We no, would probably totally. hit it. But but like he can go bring them from the second league to the first league, make some more money, and then retire. Like retire, <laughs> retire. Um so that's what I'm rooting for. We uh if he is playing for that team, we needed to do we need to do some Marcus all check ins throughout the year. I'll see if I can get some data. Oh. Um but yeah, overall, you know, we're gonna miss you, Mark, but it, it may have been the right time to move on, though I still think the Lakers yeah. need a center, which they're not going to go grab.
1: No, and they're not just readily available, at least not the ones that are going to stay when it matters. Um, You know, maybe an innings eater you can find, you know, like a bogey or mm-hmm. something, that's fine, but mm-hmm. it's not going to change a whole lot. And for all the weirdos out there counting Genie's money, this did save the Lakers about $10 million. Um <laughs> So good that, for you. Yeah, <laughs> congratulations, weirdos. Um, obviously, they did send cash, I think. The max you can send is like $5 though. I'm not sure if that's still the rule. So, you know, they probably, you know, save still a lot more money than they gave up in this trade.
2: Can I share a rumor? This is not me reporting anything. Don't aggregate this. Harrison, (laughs) I I hear you listening. Don't aggregate this. Um, What I, you know, heard rumored was that the Lakers, instead of trading their second-round pick, could have just sent more money, but instead opted to send less cash and give away the pick
1: yeah and so basically how the cash part of it works and if if fans aren't super aware you basically have five million dollars or so each calendar season mm-hmm. to aggregate into trades um and a lot of times that's you know we're getting back an overpriced player here's some cash to pay a little bit of the salary that you had for most of the season and yeah. or you know what i mean
2: buying There's a lot of second buying a second round That's pick. when you use that money and it resets yes. every year. So, yes. Lose use it or lose it is is kind of how that right. works. Right.
1: Right. And so in the past, you know, teams would get money through this or through the luxury tax uh, redistribution, which I think I heard recently. This is the by far the largest luxury tax redistribution that will be happening. So it will behoove some of these small market teams to stay under the cap and and reap some of those rewards from the the Golden State, the Brooklyn, the Clippers, mm-hmm. the Lakers tax bills, yeah. uh, which got lower for the Lakers. And you see. A lot of these teams kind of making these fringe moves like DeAndre Jordan getting traded for four seconds, you know, Um, and then getting waived by a team who can waive him and stay under the hard cap and uh, and all that. So so farewell to Mark. We appreciated your short time here. I hope you do well uh, on your own team in Spain. And uh, yeah, we will be patiently watching. Oh, here's the other quick thing, Tim. A rumor, another rumor or an actual rumor rumor from Harrison uh, and Jake Fisher, I think, in that in that little conversation they had that Rich Paul is telling to Rich Paul is telling scouts that A.D. and LeBron are going to slide to four and five. Oh, my. Oh, my God. Rich Paul is just out there chopping it up at some random workout being like, yeah, yeah, we're totally going to. They're totally going to play AD at the five to start the season. And you're just like, see, this is why I bring this up, though, Tim, is because it can absolutely be true. However, these are the kinds of rumors or reports that I don't put too much credence in because this could be. The other person misunderstanding what Rich is saying, maybe he's saying they're just going to play more of that, not necessarily like full time. You know what I mean? There's a lot of nuance that's left out of a statement like that, that could make it technically true, but not exactly what we were expecting. So, you know, I I don't know, unless I hear it from Frank Vogel or, you know, LeBron or AD about their intentions, you know, a clear kind of indication that he's going to start at the five. I don't really take yeah. these random NBC sport aggregated, you know, stories that seriously.
2: It was it was before free agency even started. <laughs> like like there the timing of this in you know, a workout before the draft, before free agency, like yeah, I, I can understand I mean, I believe him. I think he'll be correct that they will play more. Right. They're gonna play more. Um how much remains to be seen? I one thing that I think would be interesting to note is looking at the data on where LeBron has played defensively throughout his career. He had one season where he played a lot more power forward defensively than all the other years of his career and it was his first year with the Lakers. I thought that was interesting. So hmm. he if he replicates that distribution of time spent guarding different roles, I think he can handle it and I think that might be a good move for him given given how he's aging. So Could make sense. I I keep in mind too that like he looked much better before his injury this past Mm -hmm. year, so I don't want to be like, oh, it's old man LeBron time. Time to make him a power forward. He can't move anymore. We don't know that. We 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 need to see how he looks coming back healthy. But yeah, it's a little bit early, bit premature. Not the right source to really take that with anything more than a grain of (laughs) salt.
1: Uh, Well, that's a good segue, Tim, talking about old LeBron into our topic today. This is something I came up with a bit of last minute, but I was a bit inspired by, you know, the Marvel what if kind of uh, show idea. What if this happens? What if that happens? And I wanted to run this exercise through you and kind of ask maybe some questions that have been on Laker fans' minds, you know, looking forward to the regular season, looking forward to each potential round of the playoff and possible matchups and say what if so and so and so so starting this off Tim, what if lebron misses two months with injury during this regular season what would the lakers lineup look like and how would that change their overall offensive philosophy in the short term
2: that's an interesting question this is a good one and uh this makes me think back to something that I think also came out in that Harrison and Jake Fisher talk. It might it might have been another Jake Fisher thing recently, but he mentioned at some point recently that the first time he had heard Russell Westbrook to LA rumors was as soon as AD went down in the playoffs. Um, and, you know, that, that, that makes some sense to me. I can see the team being like, crap, we've got a lot of things at work here. But if we lose one of these key engines, whether it's LeBron or AD, we just don't have – the structure to be able to withstand that and something that like, not just with the Lakers, but in the business world this past year, if you go, go to a a clinic by uh, like PWC or uh, I don't know, a, a Gartner or one of those firms that like just kind of studies trends and puts together these, these presentations, a big thing that I heard that over the past couple of months is businesses are structuring themselves to focus a little bit less on revenue and a little bit more on, being stable, having stability, being able to withstand uh, issues that might arise. You can't set up a, a, a house of cards and then as soon as something you know, goes wrong, it all falls apart. You have to be able to withstand bad things happening. And when nothing bad's happening, it's fine. It doesn't really matter. But things will happen that are going to hurt you at different points in time. And from an NBA sense, that's injury. So thinking about how this roster last year was constructed from like a fragility standpoint, if one of those key guys goes down, they're in trouble. 2019, 2020, even more so. If LeBron or AD goes down, they're in trouble. They don't, they don't have – they didn't even have the Montrose Harrell or Dennis Schroeders on that team who were supposed to be able to be, you know, a more robust backup option if we need somebody to go make a play or do something or score uh past those those key guys. And by adding Russ, I think the Lakers have moved even more in that direction where if Russ or LeBron or AD goes down to injury, and I'm sure – whether it's a game or 20 games, they're going to miss games this year. Um, the Lakers are set up much more so to be able to continue thriving, and I like how every combination of those three guys can result in some sort of like key offensive attack, whether it's Russ and Braun with Russ setting, setting ball screens for LeBron James, where maybe you get Russell Westbrook in a short roll um or you get LeBron being able to turn the corner or LeBron AD or Russ and AD having the ball screen combinations lots of those two-man combos work well in different ways um so the Lakers are set up so if somebody goes down it's not the end of the world it's going to hurt the team they're probably not going to win the title but throughout the course of a year if you have a 10-game stretch where Braun is down you're not going to go 2-8 and eight or something like that especially if we can't and we'll get to this soon but if the defense isn't what we're hoping it could be you need that offense to have a floor and i think this move has given them a floor and given them that playmaking and uh i don't think we're going to see drastic stylistic changes because i think throughout games over the course of the year we're going to see these two-man groupings of the three-star players play a lot together as the team staggers their minutes. So if one of them goes down, you can just keep kind of doing the same sorts of stuff you're doing. So I I feel better about that. And I think rotationally we'll see like Rondo play more, the Lakers lean on his playmaking a little bit more. Uh, We might see Nunn or Monk need to step up when it comes to playmaking. But them adding Rondo hints to us that maybe they they don't want those guys to have to try to be more than they should be. So, yeah, I I, I, this team is much better set up for injury now than they were a year or two years ago.
1: They are. I agree, especially with the things like the leadership aspect that Russell Westbrook also brings and the kind of intensity Mm -hmm. he has on the court and playing really hard. Obviously, Schroeder played very hard for that's kind of what he's known for being a hard nosed player. But it just manifests in different ways. The way the crowd feeds off Russell Westbrook, you know, it might seem like a small thing, but that can feed off of role players when you're playing home games. Um, so but I wanted to lay out like a starting lineup that that I think that the Lakers, you know, with the AD at the five conversation aside, I still feel Dwight, A D, LeBron, Bazemore, I think is where I'm leaning right now, and Westbrook could be a potential starting unit for this Lakers team. And now what concerns me, Tim, is if Braun goes out, I think it's hard to start Dwight still. You can't just slide Ariza into that spot to me, because this those lineups don't have enough spacing with Dwight. So it's Mm -hmm. almost so when LeBron goes out, sliding AD up at the five becomes really important to me. And having a lineup maybe with Russ and Dwight in a second unit makes more sense. You know, you spell AD after six minutes in the first, and let Russ play the whole first, and then AD plays his, his you know his small man game at, at the top of the second. I'm just talking philosophy. What is it going to be the Russ show or is it going to be more like, you know, those few games when Anthony Davis played without LeBron where they tried to go through him, but the offense was still really clunky with a lot of these role players expected to up their usage and make plays and finish plays and create advantages that they're normally finishing. So Mm -hmm. what does the kind of philosophy look like in general about how you cut up that, you know, that offensive scheme? Is it just play the scheme and try to, you know, start THT and there's your other ball handler to kind of mimic a LeBron? There's a lot of ways to skin this cat.
2: Yeah, I see THT or Rondo being the two guys that maybe we see them like they're not. You know, you don't slot them into the, the lineups in the same position as LeBron per se. Uh, maybe with THT you could, uh, not if he's playing power forward, but from an offensive usage standpoint or the, the value they're providing, I could see Rondo being a pick-and-roll partner really easily with AD, or I could see THT being a ball screen guy and taking on more of the offensive load, especially as we're we're hoping to see him blossom more offensively. So I, I see it making sense. Uh, I, I definitely agree with you. If you're starting like Russ, sh- shaky shooter, Bazemore, not the best history of shooting Ariza, you know he'll hit open shots but he's not like a shooter shooter ad who isn't a a great three-point shooter other than the playoffs a couple years ago and dwight who's not a shooter like that is that is rough right (laughs) like i I, I don't see that working well so i agree with you we might see and i hadn't thought about this more ad at the five minutes and this is where having not having a spacing center kind of hurts your ability to to withstand that change um i mean even with lebron in there i don't want to see too many minutes with that group with lebron inserted just because the spacing might be rough but take him out and you have less sheer talent to power through those additional barriers you're creating for your own offensive success so yeah i'm with you that's a Man, let's hope it's not two months like you laid yeah. out in the question here because that would really stink. Um, I'm just asking the
1: what if. Yeah. It's not no, it necessarily happen. a scenario we want, obviously. But if mm-hmm. LeBron goes down for two months, I do feel this team is better suited than the last year's team. Um, yeah. However, I think what we gave up in that is significant versatility in a lot of areas. I felt mm-hmm. last year's squad could match up in, in reasonable ways against a lot of different lineups in this league and this team i feel is much more this is what we are strong at we are going to be stronger than you at what you're strong at at pushing the tempo getting up the court rebounding being physical to kind of bullying you the way they did in the bubble but there's less opportunity to oh you're trying to do this and you're working oh let me throw this other lineup out there that you know what I mean few teams have the ability to do because Anthony Davis and LeBron James are generational players
2: right yeah it, it's you know we're gonna be Michigan football and we're just gonna run the ball 47 times and throw it Please six don't. times and run on first just down gonna, every time yeah so it, it, that can work it's not gonna work against the elite teams but it can get you through <laughs> portions of a season deep side uh, yeah so it's not it's not ideal by any means but I see there being enough of a floor, even if LeBron were to miss two full months, that you can be okay. It's not going to like collapse you in the standings from like second to seventh or something. Like I wouldn't worry. In this past season, same standing situation, I don't think the Lakers would have been a playing team. Mm. Uh, and and that can make all the difference. So you, you're better set up. It's not perfect, but they are better set up.
1: I think having to, to your point, having that. AD Rondo combination when Westbrook's on the bench is a bit of a stabilizing group, hopefully. That mm-hmm. defense can be, you know, other pieces, the shooting around those guys, a nun or a monk, an Ellington. I think probably Ellington gets inserted into this because of his shooting, because of what he can do to unlock some of the other star talent on this team. Um, I mean, practically you probably see a lot more THT usage because he's paid he's the young guy he they want to see what else he can do so whether or not that is the best option or the way to win the most games is kind of irrelevant the answer here is probably a lot more THT
2: yeah another piece of this what if Tom is if LeBron goes down and and THT is getting more time are you ready for the Carmelo Anthony now Laker fans to be yelling at us and Vogel and everybody? Like, ah, you know, why is he getting the shot? It's, it's got let mellow cook. Let mellow cook, Tom.
1: Please no. Let's. I think Mello is gonna be the player I like yell at Lakers fans is not good <laughs> all season. And like I don't care if he's yeah. 37% from three. Just watch the defense. Okay. Let's do the next what if here, Tim. Uh and this one is is a real concern for me as well. We want to give Frank a lot of credit for his defense over the years, but this roster talent is significantly worse than it was last year's. So what if the Lakers' defense slips far enough from last year to become a real concern? How good does their offense need to be? And and what do you see as this roster's like defensive floor, I guess?
2: It's I mean, the offense is certainly gonna have to step it up. If we look back to the 2019-2020 regular season, uh, where we had that Dwight and Javale combo, you had AD playing power forward for a lot of his minutes. A lot of you know, we we sensationalized that year because the Lakers won the title, but during that regular season, the Lakers had the eleventh best offensive rating. So for all the folks who are saying, Oh, well, you know, DeAndre Jordan and Dwight can be our Javale and Dwight and throw 80 at the four and it'll be fine. You know, no worries. It's going to work anyway. Defensively. I like, I like what that can give you offensively. That's going to hurt your ability to perform. And there's a reason why we saw Dwight and JaVale that year have negative offensive impact metrics. Um, If the Lakers team this year drops that defensive rating from, it was third that year with an 11th offensive rating and, and they were able to make it work. And in the playoffs took a step up playing 80 more at the five. Um, if if this upcoming season Ad is not playing center full time, uh, and and you're having to deal with that spacing issue, that's going to limit your ceiling a bit offensively. And if the defense isn't where it needs to be, you, you're in a tough situation. You can't end up with like the tenth best offense and the tenth best defense and be a title contender. You need to be able to perform at a, at a better level than that. So, I think the floor for the defense isn't any lower than average. Like, I, I don't... If if things don't go the way we're hoping they will, even if they, like, run-drop coverage. Let's say they run-drop coverage, but, like, mm-hmm. guys aren't improving, and we're seeing similar issues for certain players. Like, the talent is what it is. They're in decent roles, and the scheme at least makes sense. I think this is, like, a tenth defense. So but if, or so. if if they at, at
1: are 15th, if they're 15th, I feel like their offense has to be top 3 to have a real shot, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean if you flip so 11th and 3rd that year, if you flip those and say your defense is 11th, your offense needs to be top 5 to to be able to sustain where the defense is and still be like overall at an, an elite level. So Yeah, it's it's a real issue. And in the regular season, it's like ah, we'll push through it. It's fine. You know, it doesn't matter. We will play AD more at the center in the playoffs. But if if that's what the Lakers do, and then they get to the and and for the whole course of the regular season, the defense isn't where it needs to be. You're you're in a tough spot. And then during the playoffs, if the defense still isn't good, you're you're still in a tough spot. So I I think it's a legitimate concern, and I agree with you. If the defense isn't top five, top eight, you're going to need the offense to be top five, top eight
1: yeah yeah and obviously with the you know defensive player of the year and anthony davis and the lebron you know maybe has less of a load on offense with westbrook there he can become that helper to you know bolster that wing defense and that help defense um i obviously think that the lakers are making a bet on basketball iq versus experience or or age i should say so a lot of these guys have played for so long, you know, knowing where to be will sometimes get you to that place faster than being faster. does that make mm-hmm. sense?
2: yeah, defensively, a lot of where athleticism matters is recovering right, and if you're in the right place to start with you you can still get beat like you, you that doesn't mean you're gonna solve every issue, but it there there will be fewer fires to put out if you're mm-hmm. putting yourselves in the right positions to start with as a result of that collectively and individually and this team has multiple guys that i can see quarterbacking this defense on the court and from the bench so i i I see i don't know it's not going to be the the most athletic defense in the world but they've got turnover generators they've got some rim protectors they've got some guys that rotate well and they've got a lot of iq so i'm not as worried about this defense as others might be but there still is a floor to it, um, and if so, the offense really needs to be clicking on all c- cylinders. And that's not really something we've seen this Lakers team do over the past couple seasons other than during that playoff run when 80 couldn't miss anything and Rajarano was hitting 40% of his threes and, and mm-hmm. everything was really falling how we needed it to fall. That, that's not sustainable over 82 games. You need to be able yeah. to, you know, with its added spacing, adding Russ, you've got to be able to make that offense work if the defense isn't where it wants, isn't where we want it to be. Yeah.
1: And I think that that's one of Vogel's strengths is kind of communicating expectations for each role and understanding kind of like the Lakers defensive contingency is long. And as far as, as guys knowing if this happens, I do this and the roles are clear. And I feel like Vogel is excellent at communicating those expectations. And so the more you do, it, it'll probably be, rougher in the beginning of the season and i would say a month to two months in you'll start to see those players who are starting to get it lock into those expectations rotations a lot better and you can see the chemistry it doesn't always appear right away a lot of this is Mm -hmm. repetition and and you know communication over and over 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 time
2: it's like an offensive line in football where you can be really talented, but it's it's that collective group with the communicating mm. and know where guys are going to be. And, oh, if this happens, I'm there to recover. And if, if the guy next to me takes that guy, I'll have to take this guy. Just that piece of it early in the season with a new group that that hasn't really played with each other can be rough at times. And we'll have mistakes, and we'll see that with basketball defensively when it comes to rotations. Over time, over the course of the year, the better teams are going to really nail out, uh, really refine and nail out some of the difficulties that they're running into. And, you know, there's always a ceiling to what you can be, but being one mind on defense really, really matters. And they have the ability to have that be a strength of this team, hopefully this upcoming season.
1: Yeah, they still do have some young players, obviously, Nun Monk, uh, THT, who are Mm -hmm. going to have to learn quickly and apply what they've learned quickly. Um, All right, Tim, let's take a quick break here, and then we'll come back to some playoff what-ifs.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: All right. Back from break, keeping it along the lines of Russell Westbrook. Let's talk. What if Russell Westbrook's lack of shooting throws a wrench into the offensive scheme in the playoffs? How do they either bench him or put lineups out there that can stay above water? What lineup could you pivot to?
2: Mm, That's a good question. And given how we've seen Vogel in past playoffs act either through benching guys or through just running out specific lineups like all right 80 at the 5 is going to solve our issues or this guy can't perform well we're just going to not play him we haven't seen that with a guy of Russ's caliber from a skill set or money standpoint yeah but i i i'm not sure i want to put it past Vogel but i would be skeptical that we see it i'd i'd imagine the team has their backs against the wall before they make a move like that um I I do think benching him would be the, like, I give up option from, like, a tactics standpoint, and I think there are options the Lakers can have to overcome the spacing concerns they might see. Uh, So knowing the players here, and and by players, I mean knowing Vogel and his staff here is is part of this and matters. Um, In terms of the lineups you can pivot to, maybe you just run more Russ with bench units instead of LeBron with bench units or AD with bench units. Over the course of 48 minutes, there will be times where only one of those three guys is out there on the court probably. So just get Russ a bunch of spacing and try to have him go to work, see if he can make some things happen, pair him with some pick-and-pop partners with Melo or Reza or Ellington would be a great guy to have running ghost screens for him. Uh, There are options you can go to with him as the center of of the offense, even if uh, you're only even if defenses are like going under his ball screens or things like that um running ball screens for him deeper on the court makes it harder for defenses to rotate and if you go under and he can shoot like a 8 footer instead of a 20 footer or an 18 footer that's a better shot for him um so if But is it
1: playoff winning basketball?
2: Uh,
1: it's it, a harder it's, question to know which team depending, right? But yeah. still it's harder to see that being
2: I think the value a clear clear adds, advantage. I agree. I agree. It's not him at his most effective and we've seen him past playoffs. This has hurt his teams. It has hurt him. You yeah. see this with his efficiency, ball screens, isolation, all these things. He struggles in the playoffs in in recent years cuz defenses know how they can just let him do what he's not good at doing or take away his strengths. So it's it is a legitimate concern of mine. The Lakers have all year to figure it out, just like they had all year last year to figure some things out. Hopefully there isn't a big injury that that you know, knocks them off path to workshopping solutions. But I still think playing him and trying to make the most of his minutes is better than benching him outright. Even if what you're getting from that isn't ideal, um, benching him, you know, that's a big piece of the team that you're losing. Or if you stick him in the dunker spot, you lose every ounce of playmaking that he has. And offensively he's, I mean, you're turning him into a dump off guy. Uh, it it's, I don't know. It depends how the defense is acting. If they just keep a point guard on him, all right, now the guy who's going to rotate to defend the rim is going to be a point guard, so that can be advantageous. We saw the Bucks, you know, run a scheme like that this year offensively, uh, but it minimizes some of Russ's strengths. So that's, that is an option. I don't know if I love it, um, but it is an option, and it's better than benching him probably. Um, running double ball screens, Uh, You know, two guys setting a screen standing next to each other, creating more of a wall or staggering two ball screens after each other. Those are things that you can do and mix in some flare screens for your screeners to help negate how defenses might be guarding him. And then off ball, I think he can still add some value as someone setting screens for others, whether that be pin in flare screens or just flare screens or uh, him screening in ball screens for like LeBron, I think is a great way to use him. Instead of AC or KCP getting a short roll, it can be Russ getting a short roll, and, and mm-hmm. you feel good about that. I feel good yeah. about that. Uh, so that is something that I can see making – working out really well. And really you, what you want to do is if his man's sagging off of him, off ball, in order to shut something else down, make that guy wrong. What are the things we can do so that an out-of-position defender isn't doing their job well? And that's run a, screening, a screen action somewhere else on the court. Um, or on ball, if his man's going under screens, run all the way around his big man trying to meet you on the other end, instead of trying to turn the corner, go run and execute a dribble handoff and make that guy who's going under wrong, make him out of position. So there are creative things the team can do. What they will do remains to be seen. I feel better about the team's uh, creativity defensively more than offensively, Uh, but there are options. It's just a matter of Mm. if they use them or not. What What do you think they would end up doing in a situation like this?
1: Okay, so, well, I was just holding on to this thought. I want to get it out real quick that I think Lakers fans should look for what Russ looks like off ball early in the season. And because Russ is an excellent cutter, his timing, Mm -hmm. his angles, his explosiveness, his ability to jump quickly and finish with authority all these make him an excellent cutter in theory, but in practice, on the teams he's been in he's been standing in the corner more often when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. Yep. That isn't necessarily all that he, and people rightly, you know, say, Oh, Russ is just going to stand in the corner when, when LeBron has his, you know, pick and roll with AD mm-hmm. in theory, that does not have to be the way they play. And I think like LeBron, Russ didn't cut because he knew he's not getting the ball. Those cuts take a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. It's basically a drive to the rim. And if you don't get that ball, it's a, it's a energy gone and not provide. I mean, maybe so, 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 a little drawn. bit of spin
2: zone here, but but I no, well, I, 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 you see where, I see where you're going, getting with it.
1: I'm just saying it's not impossible for him to become an exponentially better off ball player than he's ever been. He has the physical tools and I think the IQ, it's a little bit of buy-in or kind of this is where we can be better and an ability to apply those that knowledge to make LeBron AD Russ as a trio work for through into the playoffs. Yeah. So if you start to see him get a lot of easy buckets off cuts, I'm gonna start to feel better. About the playoff aspect even though those easy buckets are fewer and far between in the playoffs it's there and the defense has to respect it which will open the court for LeBron yeah, so I agree it is some spin absolutely but I, I I'm not counting it out yet and that's just something I'm looking out for um, early in the season to see how they get those reps in
2: yep and, and I think this team can look to some Eric's bolster teams uh, he's been a really good coach when it comes to designing sets where you take a guy who doesn't have good gravity as a guard, but is a good cutter or a good driver, stick him off ball at like the opposite wing, but a little bit deep behind the three-point line. So his man's not going to guard him. They know they don't need to guard him. They're naturally going to try to sag and help a drive middle Um, and and just setting up ball screens or setting up attacks, knowing his man will help, and then giving him... Like the set play is he gets a running start, he catches, and him catching, going full speed, will be able to beat the defender recovering to him because it's coordinated and because they're going full speed. I'll go find some clips of this and, and post some of that on Twitter, but there are sets to exploit teams sagging off of him. And we even saw like the Lakers this past year, they ran that one set where at, let's say they're at the left wing and Schroeder's running a, a ball screen and they they have uh, like Kuzma set a ghost screen and then pop into the empty corner. Maybe that shot's there. Maybe if that's not there, maybe Schroeder turns the corner no matter what he's going to drive middle. And then they would do that same thing where like it'd be LeBron or THT or somebody on the opposite wing, get a head start, run into the catch and then try to attack down the opposite sideline, thinking that their man would try to go sag off of them and take away the first drive. So there are things that can be done. There are some best practices out there. The Lakers have run things close to that which makes me think it's more obtainable, more likely to to occur in the future. And that, along with what you're saying, I think gives me hope. We really need to see it. We're going to have to see it in the regular season. This, If it's not working in the regular season, they're not going to pull rabbits out of the hat in the playoffs. We, year after year, yeah. people say, oh, well, you know, they're saving things. That's not the case. We haven't seen that happen. Um, either they're going to show us that they can do it or th- they won't be able to do it. And if they're not doing those things, then you get closer to... Solutions like, all right, stick them in the dunker spot or bench them. Like those aren't, this shouldn't be your first choices, but it might be what we run into. Or just stick them in the corner if the Lakers aren't figuring out some of those other more creative solutions.
1: Yeah. All right, moving on to the next what if here, Tim. The Lakers play the Clippers in the first round. Kawhi Leonard just came back and is figuring out how to. The Lakers are figuring out how to match up with these two superstar wings we've been planning on it for three years now and it's finally happening, even though he is coming back off of a major injury. Mm -hmm. Now we've talked a little about maybe our concern for, um, lack of wing, uh, depth, uh, guarding, you know, wings is an issue and how really there's not a ton of teams that'll take advantage of you, uh, in, in the big scheme. But this is a team who can take advantage of you with two guys who in theory, you know, if they're, close to 100% is, is more uh, the Lakers are less built to specifically beat the Clippers than years past because mm-hmm. Kawhi's out. I think because this would be a two, seven or a three, six matchup in the Lakers favor. So if that does happen, they play in the first round. What would you do to kind of mitigate those two wing superstars?
2: Yeah. So assuming they're on the court at the same time, you have to take a look at like, what do you have? How can you deploy it? It's not going to be the perfect solution. We don't have two elite, wing stoppers that we feel free, you know, go guard anybody. And that's why this is a challenge. That's why we're talking about it here today. Between PG and Kawhi, I mean, Kawhi is the superstar scoring wing. I don't know if I'd call Paul George a superstar scoring wing. Um, But Kawhi is the bigger one. Kawhi is the one I think you'd put the bigger body on. And he's somebody who I can see the Lakers putting Ariza on. I can see them putting LeBron on him. I can see even Anthony Davis playing on Kawhi Leonard, especially if – like, if the Clippers aren't playing a real center, like like they ran out lineups last year where they'd have, uh, like, Marcus Morris out there as the center, you can go have Ariza or Melo or Braun guard him and go stick AD on Kawhi Leonard. I'd feel okay with that. Um, and then on the other, for the other matchup with PG, you have to know that he's somebody that on ball, he'll isolate He'll run ball screens, but he's also a good off-ball player, and he's going to run around pin downs and flare screens. So you need some chaser capability there. I'd feel more comfortable putting a, a slightly smaller guy on him, whereas like Bazemore, I don't want to stick on Kawhi. Bazemore, I feel pretty good about him on Paul George. Again, he's not going to shut him down, but as a, as a chaser off-screen dude, he's solid. As an on-ball and pick-and-roll defender, he's good. So I think Bazemore or even THT would be the two guys I look at sticking on Paul George and then some rotation of Ariza, Braun, and Anthony Davis on Kawhi. How do you, How does that make you feel? Do you, would you feel good about that? Like if mm-hmm. we've got uh, Ariza on Kawhi and Bazemore on Paul George?
1: I guess. I mean, I guess I'm just worried about who are the Laker guards on the court. Is Bazemore the two? Is it Russ? Uh, they're going to look for Russ. Um, they're gonna look for none. They're gonna look for Monk. Mm-hmm. They're gonna look for Ellingson. Three quarters of the Lakers' possibilities at these positions outside of Bazemore and Ariza. Yep. So what's next? What's your next? Lo- what's your next six minute stretch to guard Kawhi Leonard? Is my question. Um, and it's probably gonna have to be LeBron. You know what I mean? In 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 the playoffs, this is where you have to figure out. These problems. Right. Maybe the Lakers offense takes a hit because he's having to guard Kawhi for two six minute stretches at the end of the halves. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Um, But, you know, because Kawhi is so big and physical, he's the person who can kind of get his shot on his own. He's I mean, he's not a bad passer. He's just not like break the defense down and get the corner three every time because you did this. Like a Luca or someone like that. He's going to take you to the post, get a couple dribbles, try and get you in the air, get fouled, shoot over you, get to a spot, force himself in and and just say, I'm shooting from here 12 times this game and I'm going to make eight of them, you know. Mm-hmm. And then when you take those other few shots away paul george is going to be open you know uh, luke Kennard, reggie jackson is gonna set a screen for me and i'm gonna get a small on me so there's still other concerns i have like around the other guys uh, around the other lakers players if there were any switching or you know what i mean i think this is a series that dwight howard's gonna really struggle in um because you know i know Abaka's had a lot of back injuries lately but Them playing small, even with like a Kawhi at the five and a bunch of guards, that kind of lineup does scare me a little as far as how they can make the Lakers adjust to them. I think they have some personnel as far as that going small. The Lakers have one option at the five, and it's Anthony Davis. And after that, you know, there is no other small ball option. They are going big. Yeah. And... The the Clippers at full health are a team who might be able to take advantage of that uh, in the in a postseason situation.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think given their roster construction, you can look at some of these guys and say like, all right, if Marcus Morris or like Zoo isn't a ball screen or something like that, we might be able to just get away with trapping and mm. live with them in the short role. If it's Ibaka, I don't know that I'm worried about Ibaka at this stage in his career being like a big post player that's going to beat you up. So maybe we feel more comfortable putting LeBron at the five on him and, and having that be just an automatic switch if if there's a a ball screen where uh Ariza and, and Braun are the two guys in the action or something like that. I think having Russ be someone that can be physical, even if he's not necessarily large, uh makes me feel a little bit better about his defense against a, a Kawhi. But yeah, there are gonna be problems. You're going to need, need to be able to score well against this Clippers offense. Um defensively i think the lakers can be good enough and i mean there are going to be a lot of tactics that can play into this and we don't have to figure that out today but uh i i don't see this as like a glaring insurmountable issue i I think the lakers have enough that some hodgepodge of their options between their their starting group and their bench groups and the tactics they'll be able to deploy will be able to do enough to to give them a chance in a series against the clippers and, and probably a pretty good chance
1: yeah, yeah, I think so. And obviously with Kawhi, I'm kind of assuming he's just barely coming back, if at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, you know, sometimes these great players can do crazy things with their body. And and if there's a will, there's a way for yeah. a lot of these guys. But Kawhi is also prone to taking it safe. So uh, mm-hmm. moving on to the next what if, trying to do this, these couple ones a little quick. Um, OK, so. This one, what if the Lakers play the Nuggets in the second round? You see where I'm going with this? Uh, it's game three, and the series is tied 1 1, going back to Denver. Jamal Murray is back, and game three starts, and Dwight picks up two fouls. How do you adjust, and what do the Lakers do to match up with Nikola Jokic when their Jokic stopper gets two quick fouls?
2: Jeez. You got to play DeAndre Jordan. You have to, you either have to do that, or it's gotta be an eighties at the five and we have to be clicking on all cylinders and and make our offense good enough to justify AD needing to defend Jokic, which, you know, he can do a a good job, but he's not going to do as good of a job as uh, Dwight will or Deandre Jordan would.
1: Well, it's going to take a D out of the help scenario for the rest of the you know cuz jokic is going to pull him to him until he makes a pass and ad's out shit out of luck right
2: yep yeah you're right hey we yeah this is tough i think if dwight picks up two, you keep him in he's playing until he fouls out he, or he's playing his nor, what his normal rotation should be until he fouls out we know the lakers probably won't do that but oh, that's that's if how only they
1: like, people play that way
2: yeah, and if they did play that way, you're going to know that you're going to get 100% of what Dwight could give you. And if he fouls out with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, so be it. I'd rather that happen than him not foul out because like the chances that you minutes.
1: Right. The chances that you are more positive in the time he played probably outweighs the difference in what he would have, you know, what the team would have done when he was not out there. That yeah. probably doesn't make sense, but I think you kind of get where I'm coming from. Um yeah. So this one's fairly simple, but, you know, I brought it up a couple times about, you know, when I was talking, building a strength on strength and for better or worse, man, you know, this is why you get DeAndre Jordan is to have some Jokic insurance. You know, Denver is going to be a top team in the West, probably when Murray comes back. And even if he doesn't, you know, we saw them beat the Blazers, which seems crazy, but he is so damn good. And. As good and physical as Dwight is, I think DeAndre is slightly less. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if I don't know will, will he do worse than JaVale McGee? Probably not, right? Yeah, it's probably be around like, the same. Yeah, play a bowl because of the size matchup in the playoffs. I mean, they do have the greens to play small ball five. That's a little concerning to me, just slightly that they can play a small ball, second unit. And actually the Lakers, not to say they can't match up AD at the five is the answer, Mm -hmm. but that's a pretty good. Small ball unit. They could throw out there. I feel like, like with Jokic not on the court and they are for the eight minutes, he's not playing. They're not like dying out there, which I think is important for them.
2: Yeah. Denver made small, but really important moves this off season. They, they are b- better set up to succeed and assuming Jamal Murray's back and healthy, like they're going to be hard to beat. They, they're not going to roll over in the playoffs and we're going to need everybody healthy. And like you're saying, like 80, like if the answer is 80 is going to guard him, All right. Well then when you have to take 80 out of the game for whatever those minutes are, just like you're saying now, like Denver's well set up to, to go beat those Laker lineups so yeah it's it's certainly a challenging situation of like Ed can't play every defensive role and he can't play every minute of the game so right. you have to get something serviceable out of DeAndre Jordan because you right now you don't have any other options
1: yeah I think that one's fairly straightforward. So let's move on to this one. What if the Lakers play the Suns in the Western Conference Finals? How do you build a defensive scheme around Russell Westbrook and whatever shooting guard you want to pick to guard Chris Paul and Devin Booker in in a series that, you know, we we saw how they cut up the Lakers last year.
2: Yeah. I think you need to switch. I think this was the answer. This is what like the Suns have plays they don't have like 40 plays but they've got like 10 plays they run and they if you're going to run drop coverage they're going to if you run a more aggressive screen they're going to beat it they have the right answers to any of those options i think if you trap them in your good sh- you're in good shape <laughs> like it was only a couple months ago we were talking about this if you trap them and you're in good shape or if you switch against them you're in in, in decent shape so 80 playing at the five uh or, or brawn at the five like some of these lineups where you can be switchable or or Ariza or Hal Mello maybe I don't know uh, I'd, I'd start to worry about the advantage you're giving up to like eight and down though on the boards and in the post with those groups but being switchable takes away a lot of, a lot of what they're able to do and I think from a matchup standpoint as I'm looking at who's going to guard who when it comes to guarding Devin Booker I want someone a little bit bigger on him ideally I, I think but he's too quick he's too quick for Ariza but I think. Uh, Baysmore on him it has to be it, it has to work like that that's the matchup that needs to work well we saw in the playoffs when like KCP was out a game or Caruso was out a game in that series all of a sudden Booker's going off the the Lakers need to be able to have somebody on him that can that can hang around um I do like the idea of Russell Westbrook on offense tech and Chris Paul on defense. That wasn't something we saw enough of this past year was the Lakers going at his defense. Uh, but that I think is advantageous for the Lakers, but yeah, in general, it's gotta be a team thing. It's a scheme thing. It's a big man thing uh, because if you're just running drop coverage, you are just hoping that they're not hitting their pull-ups, whether it be threes or twos uh, and you, you have to get good back pressure. So there there's more than one factor that goes into it, but Again, I don't feel perfect about this situation, but I feel like the Lakers will have groups where they can make this work well.
1: It's almost like I'm gonna say this weird it sounds weird. It's almost like you can switch one through four and a half, and this is what I mean, right. You're not worried as much if Trevor ariza is guarding DeAndre Aiden. Mm-hmm. He's not the kind of player who's going to physically body somebody and get a bucket every time. You know what I mean in the low post. But you don't feel good about Dwight Howard on Chris Paul, you know what I mean? So it's like yeah. four and a half. Well, you switch one through four and a half. One
2: through small ball five. Yeah, right. So it's that makes sense. That's a good way of framing it. I, I don't think I've I haven't heard that before.
1: It's you know you 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 at least like half of that where you're like eight and whatever. If you want to take ten foot fadeaways over a shorter guy, like help yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's good offense for the Lakers, but. You know it's switching at least is more uh, feasible for this Lakers squad than I think last year's, uh, with some yeah. you know lack of size and and some of the guards and some of the lack of mobility from the bigs. But if you really needed to, AD at the five on DeAndre Aiden is that's it. That's kind of the still the you know the trump card for for this squad against this. Best sons lineup um yeah.
2: to me. Healthy idiot of five. Right. We need everybody healthy right. this time around.
1: Yes, yes. Okay, I like so, I like how
2: we've gone round by round here.
1: Yes, and finishing in the finals. You know, uh what if the Lakers play the Nets in the finals? It's game three, the Lakers are sorry, it's game four, the Lakers are down two to one, and Kevin Durant is just PKD dominating the game with efficiency and tough shot making. What can the Lakers throw at KD defensively? I'm going to assume it's AD because uh, it's really their only best option. And how would that complicate guarding the rest of the Nets, presuming they're healthy? What's, you know, what's the lineup the Lakers could throw out against the Nets? Because it's it's tough to not think the Nets are just going to win the championship because of how good their top three is. And. You still got to play the games. They did not win the championship with those three last year. They were not healthy, which is always a possibility this year. Mm-hmm. But. PKD, Impossible to guard. So how do you reconcile that? What's strategically your best case scenario to just this guy's going crazy, stop everyone else?
2: yeah i think you're screwed uh <laughs> i think you're in trouble if brooklyn's healthy they should win the title yeah. they should be the lakers if they're healthy yeah uh if they were healthy this past year they should have and probably would have won the title it's a so, what
1: if tim use your imagination yeah you man exceptionalist.
2: yeah in what makes tell me how is, it can happen so let's say let's say katie 80s on katie and oh jeez Oh, is, this is this is <laughs> tough because they've got guys that can beat you in the post. They've got oh, no. like go throw it to Blake Griffin, go throw it to LaMarcus Aldridge. Go, those guys can go take advantage of of a little dude that we put out there. They've got a spacing big with Paul Millsap. They've they have so many ISO guys at so many positions, whether it's small guard or like bigger guard or KD. That like they're they're gonna find the weak point. So you have to. Jeez, this is difficult. This is this is really hard, Tom. I don't this is gonna be one where we might do like a preview pod and be like, let's yeah. hope this doesn't happen because we're screwed. Um Man. I I'm I don't not, know, dude. I'm not, I'm not prepared for this answer and I don't know if the Lakers will be either if they see him in the finals. This cause this is gonna be tough. I mean, I, I'll have an I'll have a better answer a couple months from now, but I guess then
1: then let, let me ask a side question of what does AD on KD full time look like? And in how would KD take advantage of AD and or would he just say, I'm going to, you know, stand in the corner and pull AD away from the whole play while James Harden like cuts up Kendrick Nunn
2: for most other. Team constructions, I'd say that's a bad idea. Don't take your, your best offensive player out of it. But with this team's construction, can <laughs> like it's yeah. it's like, oh no, now that, now we need to give possessions to James Harden and Kyrie Irving. Like that's fine. That works for them. That's okay. They can yeah. play 4v4. If AD like if it mitigates AD more to the Lakers defense, then AD right. would mean to the Warriors. Or I'm sorry, not the Warriors, the uh Nets offense. So that's that's tough. I mean, this might be one of those times where you keep your center in the game and you keep ad at the four to run around and guard kevin durant and you try to have room protection and just say you are going to have to hit a bunch of jump shots and we're going to rebound you're going to get one shot it's not going to be at the rim we're going to have room protection we're going to contest we're going to be flying around trying to contest threes but we're not going to give you lobs we're not going to give you layups and on the other end of the court we've got rebounding and we're going to attack the rim relentlessly and we know you're not a good defensive team although the Nets in the playoffs were a pretty good defensive team. So that's I, it, ph- philosophically. I think that may be how you approach it. Like we're going to do everything we can to make it hard for you on offense and keep room protection. And then we just need to try to outscore you, which doesn't sound like a good scenario against this team, but you're going to have to do it to beat them if they're healthy.
1: <sighs> I mean, yeah, be winning through the Lakers strength of speed and size is a tall order when they can just score nine points in 40, 40 seconds yeah almost at any yeah. point in the game
2: maybe you beat them maybe you say we're we're gonna put our we're gonna play fully small ball uh, I don't know. I'm not advocating for this, but I'm saying maybe you play fully small ball and you dare them to just have the Marcus Aldridge be scoring against Carmelo Anthony or Trevor Reza or LeBron James in the post. And you can switch every action and yeah. See, I don't like this either. Uh, <laughs> it's, not, room protection. it's probably just not uh, going to
1: happen either. It's just, I mean, the path to this is somebody gets banged up. You take one off the board. Okay. You know, even if it's two and a half of them, one's out there as a spot up shooter. It's still a tall order. There's only two. God, you got to bank on some of them having an off night. Somebody having a great night for
2: the Lakers. You need to be really good offensively. This is again, this is going back to our question earlier with the defense. Your defense in this series is not going to be great. Yeah. Uh, Even if you play
1: good defense, you're not just it doesn't matter. Like they're just too good.
2: Yeah, so you have to be really good offensively. Yeah. You have to. And then you have to have LeBron and AD just be superstars. Like, if AD is a superstar, this team doesn't have somebody that can guard him. They need to
1: get up and down the court, force turnovers. Yeah. Get to the foul line, I think, is super important. mm, Yep. It's tough. We will obviously talk more Lakers-Nets matchups if (laughs) and, you know... When it happens, but it's, uh, you know, that's why I brought it up. I wanted to go through the playoffs with some practical matchups and say, what if this happens? What does it look like? And we haven't even watched this team play basketball, Tim. And I feel we had a whole conversation about a fake season (laughs) that ended with the Lakers (laughs) losing to the Nets in the finals because KD is KD. And it's just Uh, gonna uh, you know, hopefully the season ends better. But mm -hmm. realistic expectation, that's to me, you know the most likely thing to happen and i just wanted to see we could uh you know talk through it yeah Yeah. i
2: I feel better about some of the earlier round matchups now after thinking through it really for the first time since Mm. we've seen this new lakers roster put together and the other teams get their new rosters but yeah the the nets are going to be i think the lakers would go into that an underdog i think they would go into every other series the favorite and those teams can give them trouble but if they pull the right levers the lakers have what they need to win yeah so you know we'll check it's in f- i don't know how many months from now and, and see if we we have to rehash this but yeah i'm 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 worried about the nets it's
1: tough i don't want to play them
2: i don't want like you want to win the title you, you know it's the, the, the tough guy and you wants to like beat the best teams to go win the title to say you're the best uh but if the nets are healthy like no one's going to want to play them yeah they're, they're a team you might position yourselves away from a round or two in the playoffs in the east if you can
1: yeah that never comes back to bite you ever in the history of the postseason um small sample size yeah tim that's all i got for what ifs right now um this was fun try and maybe consider some more as we get more information but tell the people how they can get in our awesome fan driven discord
2: yeah so go over so we set up the patreon you can go to patreon.com slash Kranzer, Kranges? I can't even say my own name, uh, and, and subscribe there, and that'll get you into the Discord. Alternatively, go ahead and give us a five-star review on iTunes or Apple podcasts, or if there's another way you're able to rate and review the pod, go ahead and do it there. And then reach out to one of us and shoot us a DM uh, Tom or me or the Laker sex pod. Uh, <laughs> and share that share that picture and we'll get you in there. We're So uh, this upcoming year, I want to like really figure out like, all right, for us, like what does game day look like and what's our yeah. pregame? What's our post game? Like that can be our, our safe space for sure to, to, go through and have those discussions in addition to everything else we've been doing. Um, I really want to define what that game day experience looks like. Cause I think that could be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Uh, DM us, hit us up, go to Patreon. Um, appreciate it, Tim. This is good. We'll come back next week, try and find something else. Uh, well, I think it's like 16 days till the Lakers preseason game. So it's too it, we'll have real basketball. Well, not fake real basketball, Mm. to overreact, overreact too to yes yeah <laughs> absolutely we everyone loves a good overreaction especially data people
2: mm. i'm gonna ignore that thanks everyone <laughs> <Next> <laughs> you guys time, next on, next on the lakers <laughs> on the sex lakers pot on the net <laughs> oh no <laughs> leaving that
1: all in